Hi, everyone. We're conducting an audience survey, and we'd be really grateful if you could take just a few minutes and answer a few questions. Please visit survey.prx.org happiness to take the survey today. That's survey.prx.org happiness. Thank you. The Science of Happiness is brought to you by Progressive, one of the country's leading providers of auto insurance. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you say what kind of coverage you're looking for and how much you want to pay, and Progressive will help you find options that fit within your budget. Use the Name Your Price tool and start an online quote today at Progressive.com. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So for me, part of my PTSD was a little bit of like a survivor's guilt. A little bit of survivor's guilt, but also a lot of shame. You know, and so a lot of it I wasn't too proud of. And a lot of it carried with me. I came on to being a new father. In 09, when I came home at that time, between the end of 09 and beginning of 010 is when my daughter was born. And so seeing her really kind of brought a lot of that guilt, not feeling worthy of it. So a lot of self-worth was in question. Self-esteem was in question. And so, yeah, I just didn't feel like I belonged or I was deserving. I had to surrender myself. And that was hard because, again, the mentality of you have to ask for help or anything in that nature, you seem vulnerable or you were weak. So when I was going to see my uh, social worker over at Menlo Park, I finally told the truth. And one of the best responses that she could have given me was, well, thank you for being honest. And it was about time that you did. She knew, but she wasn't going to say anything. And it was just me having to admit that. At that time, a big blow to my pride. After 10 years in the Marines, Eric Onaveros came home to a new baby and a life as a stay-at-home dad. But his three deployments to Iraq led to PTSD and years of alcohol abuse until he asked for help. Today, Eric works for the VA, helping other veterans get support in underserved communities in California. We asked Eric to choose a research-based practice to boost happiness, kindness, and connection in his life. And he joins us in studio today to tell us how it went. Eric, thanks so much for being on The Science of Happiness. Thank you, Decker. I appreciate it. So we asked you to choose a practice to increase happiness in your own life, and you picked one called active listening. For this exercise, you're supposed to find a quiet place and have a conversation with somebody where you really listen to what they're saying. Then you try to follow a list of active listening tips from our Greater Good in Action website, tips like paraphrasing what the other person is saying, showing you're engaged with eye contact and smiling, asking open questions to encourage the person to elaborate, and really showing empathy. When they're done talking, then you're welcome to ask if it's okay to share your perspective. So who did you do the practice with? I actually did it with, I tried to do it with both girls, both my daughters. With your daughters? With my daughters, <laughs> yes. Um, How old are they? So nine and six. Oh. Yeah. How'd that go? Um, Nine-year-old <laughs> caught on. <laughs> and she like basically she tapped out and she walked out. But the six-year-old <laughs> loves it. She yeah? loves it when I do role plays and she's all about it. So so what it specifically was, did you do? Were they coming back from school? And you yeah, exactly. It was right after school, and so uh-huh. kind of like, how's your day going? <laughs> and so with the six-year-old, my six-year-old in particular, what's uh, her name? Her name's Emma, uh-huh. and she's very imaginative, very creative. Her stories and everything else is very elaborate, very detailed, but it's also three stories in one. Yeah. 
So in like one breath, she can tell you three different types of scenarios. <laughs> so with the paraphrasing is very important. So what I hear you saying <laughs> is this, and so it kind of keeps her on track of how she wants to deliver her story or uh -huh. how she wants her message to be heard. Why do you think your youngest daughter really enjoyed doing this active listening practice with you? You know, I think it's because of the one-on-one -on -one engagement. Yeah. The nine-year-old has been with me through a lot of my counseling sessions, uh -huh. so she knows the talks that I hear with that she hears with my therapist. You uh -huh. know, when I'm having when I'm having my one-on-ones, so she's very familiar with the language. Uh -huh. So the second I'm starting to pick, start doing some of these things, she's like, she picks it up real quick, and she's like, "Why are you talking to me like that?" <laughs> it's like I'm not in your office, Dad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. she kind of rolls her eyes and kind of does her own thing. It's like, all right, fine, I'm, Daddy won't talk to you then. <laughs> did you do this with some of your veterans that you're working with? Yeah, I actually did that. I have a Wednesday group in uh -huh. the park. And one of the discussions that we were kind of going over was, what is it you would like to do moving forward? And so a lot of discussions were kind of focused around self-worth. You know, one veteran was sharing the struggles of not being able to be with his son at this time. The son relayed to his mom that he hopes dad gets better while he's here in the program. And so, you know, a lot of, I need to complete this program because I need to be better for him. If not, then I am validating my own thoughts of being a crappy dad. You're letting him know that this is what you're saying, but here's what he's saying. Your son is saying how much he hopes for you to get better because he wants you to be there. And the other part of the shame was this was like his second go into the program. The last time he was in the program, he was in the program during his son's birthday. Your son is wishing and hoping the best for you. You're going to be home for his birthday this year. You're not going to be away. You're going to be there with him and for him. And that's all he wants. You're validating. You're bringing empathy. It does shine light. It does, how we say, challenge our negative thinking. And so I easily could have said, well, this is what you should do. This is how you can engage. This is how you can talk to your wife next time. Or this is how you can encourage your son or you know, let him know that things are going to be okay. That's not my position. It's to validate his thoughts and his feelings. And I'm really curious, Eric, what your thoughts are about kind of working with young veterans back and what do you think the, the real magic is? The real magic is having somebody in that position that can listen, can understand without judgment. Yeah. And that's a lot of times what we're seeking. Yeah. And a lot of the feedback sometimes even with the other veterans of their frustrations is when somebody says, yeah. share something. It's like, oh, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And it could be like with the Vietnam veterans where a 60-year-old yeah. is sharing himself and then a young 20, 30-year-old is like, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know you were in Vietnam. Yeah. Kind of oh. response. I'm sure it's all within great means. Yeah. But it's just sometimes the delivery yeah. kind of misses the mark. And so when you're able to kind of sympathize or give actual true empathy, it does make it that much more relatable and an ease to kind of find comfort when you're talking with another person. Yeah. So who was tougher, working with the veterans or your daughters? Oh, well, it's always easy working with the veterans. It's way tougher talking with my daughters. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> you, you got the teen years coming, Eric. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I make the joke of yeah. the six the six year old is going on sixteen, a nine year old is already going on twenty one. So yeah. yeah, I'm already there. No, I know. <laughs> Wait till you stop giving judgment and advice with teenagers, because <laughs> they'll catch you right away. Yeah, you're yeah. already done. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for trying the active listening practice, both with veterans and then these spirited daughters that you have. And I'm just curious what. What did you notice about the similarities and differences in in just doing this hard work of listening well with those two groups? Each person, especially like the paraphrasing, yeah, it really allows them to kind of know that you're being engaged. And nice. I, I think that I can't highlight that enough. Yeah. Why do you think paraphrasing is so important when you're really trying to listen to somebody else speak? You know, you're trying to hear what the other person's trying to kind of put out there, and then you responding back of. So what I do hear you saying is, or, you know, anything of clarification yep. allows them to know that, yes, they are listening. So again, it is working both, listening and hearing. Yeah. That's something for myself I struggled a lot with, you know, because again, me being programmed a certain way to kind of just react, follow orders, follow instructions, yeah. do as you're told, here's your mission, you got to do it, go do it. No questions asked. Yeah. Adapt and overcome in a sense. But you never were to clarify. You never were to allowed to ask questions. And that was something even now with all my relationships with my parents or mm. whoever, it's really kind of taking the time to kind of understand. Yeah. You know, when you can do that, it definitely helps build the relationship, whether it be friendship, intimacy, significant other, partnership, family, whoever. This is a great tool to kind of make it stronger. Yeah. Nothing better than feeling understood. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Besides paraphrasing, what other steps of the active listening exercise do you find really helpful? The engaging with the body language. So a lot of times it can be the posture of how a person is sitting or what they may be doing with their hands or how they continuously look off into the distance mm-hmm. or how we have that. Statue David look, where it's just off to the right and <laughs> looking, gazing off into the sunset. And I think that's where you can express the empathy of recognizing the bi language is, I see that something's on your mind. Is there something that's being triggered or being activated? Mm. So again, you can kind of reel them back in. Yeah. So there's your fish line. And if, you, if there's any fishers on this <laughs> that listens, you throw your cast out to kind of get the bite. Yeah. And nine out of 10 times, yeah, yeah, they are. And so, but it's like, well, there is something I'm thinking about. I just don't know how to say it. Hmm. And it's like, just share whatever it is that's on your mind. Uh-huh. You know, just put it out there. We'll decipher it together. Yeah. So again, the body definitely tells a lot, yeah. a lot more than what obviously we're telling. Somebody's asking you, hey, how are you doing? It's like, I'm okay. <laughs> and it's that whole shrug and schmirk. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you're not okay. Yeah. So. Powerful. Yeah. Avoiding judgment, avoiding giving advice. Those are tough. <laughs> Those are very tough. Absolutely. So it's not so much of, well, how is this making you feel? Or why is it you're feeling this way? But more so to if a situation came up or if drinking's an issue, how would it be beneficial for you if you had a supporter? Right. Or if you had a point of contact or if... You made plans. Yeah. You know, so now it's making them think about, 
okay, you're not judging, you're not giving advice, but you're throwing those, you're posing those questions out to plant the seed for them to think about their own actions. Giving them some perspective on things. Or, exactly. Yeah. And that kind of follows into the last one. You know, um, after the person talks and have done the above steps, ask if it's okay to share your perspective, you know, uh, given a different perspectives of things. But at the same time, you know, using the I statements as it says, you know, I feel overwhelmed when you don't help out around the house. I statements are great. At the same time, when you do give a perspective, you're given, you know, your point of view. Yeah. You know, yeah. so use your own stories. You're not saying this is what you should do, but it's like, I hear what it is that you're saying and I see how it is making you feel angry, depressed, sad, lonely, unworthy. This is what I've done in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. This is how one, this situation scenario made me feel this way in this sense. And this is what I was able to do to kind of help get myself out of that funk. Nice. You know, so again, perspective is definitely, you know, great. Well, I want to thank you for the essential work that you're doing out there. It's uh, as important as anything we can be doing. And I wanted to thank you for being on our show. Thank you. I appreciate that. So if you've ever seen a therapist, a lot of this active listening practice is going to sound familiar. But the question is, where's the evidence that this works outside of a therapist's office? We set out to look at the degree to which that active listening paradigm, which is pretty popular in the counseling literature, if a similar set of behaviors might be beneficial for individuals talking about everyday stressors. More on the research behind the active listening practice up next. Hiring the right team for your business can be a long and arduous process. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts, you can pause your account at any time, and you only pay for what you need. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com happiness. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash happiness. Indeed.com slash happiness. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Where can you shop for Gucci, Rolex, and more iconic luxury brands up to 90% off retail? The Real Real. A trusted source for authenticated luxury consignment, The Real Real has stores in Chicago, L.A., New York, and San Francisco, where you can shop women's and men's luxury fashion and accessories, fine jewelry, watches, art, and home decor. Visit in person to discover things you'll only find in store. Plus, chat with in-store experts who can answer any of your questions. Take advantage of curbside pickup and more store services, from expert repairs to personal styling. It's a luxury experience you won't get anywhere else. New shoppers get $25 off their first purchase. For locations and hours, visit therealreal.com slash store. Visit The Real Real today. Oftentimes we don't listen to understand, we listen to reply. And active listening helps us change our mindsets towards one that's trying to understand somebody else's perspective as opposed to being focused on getting our point across or being right. We're trying to recognize that listening is not a passive behavior. It's not something that you do automatically. 
Graham Bodie is a professor of integrated marketing communication at the University of Mississippi. It helps to distinguish listening from hearing, for instance, whereas hearing is that physiological, automatic response that's something that you do all of the time, even when you're asleep. Listening, on the other hand, is what happens after those sound waves have penetrated the eardrum and your brain starts to process some of the information that you're hearing in your environment. In a simple nutshell, active listening is basically just a term that we might use to remind everyone that listening isn't as easy as we've been told our whole lives, and it isn't something that we do naturally or even well most of the time. Graham's team brought undergrads from Louisiana State University into a listening lab and assigned one group to talk about their problem and the other to listen to someone else talking about their problem. In some of these conversations, you have two strangers one of whom is talking about a stressful experience and the other one who has no training in active listening or any other kind of listening who is acting as they normally would when a friend has a stressor. They also brought in graduate students who were finishing up their final year of a counseling education program. And we told them, you know, we want you to operate in your active listening counselor format. They videotaped all of the conversations, both with the students who are trained in active listening and those who were not. And then they measured how much people were smiling, making eye contact, nodding their heads. And then they also looked at verbal cues like paraphrasing and asking open questions. So questions that allow the speaker to explore multiple options, usually beginning with a WH, like who, why, when, and what, versus a closed question, which is things that generate answers, usually yes or no. The results show that when people engaged in active listening behaviors, the person talking about the problem felt that the listener was more emotionally aware, and they also reported feeling better after their conversation. Graham's team found that it was the verbal cues, things like paraphrasing and expressing empathy, that were the most helpful. The verbal behaviors, on average, are about three times more important than the contribution of the nonverbal behaviors on average. The verbal behaviors basically are more important determinants for disclosures to both feel better about the event as well as feel better about the listener. Although nonverbals will get you part of the way there, if you're not actually contributing to the conversation, then you're not enacting the role of what they expect from a quote-unquote good or a competent listener. So what you say becomes important to that person's well-being over time. And that's what that study suggests, that helping them work through those emotions and helping them elaborate on why they feel the way they feel, that's really the key to helping people work through difficult events. If you'd like to try active listening yourself, visit our Greater Good in Action website at ggia.berkeley.edu. Tell us how it went or share other thoughts by emailing us at greater at berkeley.edu or using the hashtag happinesspod. I'm Dacker Keltner, and thanks for joining us on the Science of Happiness. Our podcast is a co-production of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and PRX. Our senior producer is Shuka Kalantari, production assistants from Jenny Cataldo and Ben Manila of BMP Audio, our associate producers are Brett Simpson and Ariella Markowitz. Our executive producer is Jane Park, and our editor-in-chief is Jason Marsh. Special thanks goes to UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. <laughs>